Good morning. Great message by Dr. Tim LaHaye. He, at the end, said it's later than it's never been before and told us to be ready. So my subject, are you ready? Take your Bibles and turn to Amos chapter 4. Um, you can get all of our books and tapes on our website also. Several of you came to the table this morning and said, oh, you're out of that? Yeah, we're out of a number of things. There are two books back there that I would really recommend. One is The God of the Bible. Uh, I don't know a book that's had a greater impact in terms of people coming to know the Lord. The opening line says, The God of the Bible is not Allah of the Islamic religion. So we don't mess around with people's brains. We shoot straight. And it's easy to read. There are a lot of tough questions. If God's omnipresent, then how could anyone flee from his presence? So we answer questions like that for you. Is God more than one? And how do you explain that? And uh, so all of that's in that book, The God of the Bible. The other book, which you probably have not seen here, uh, is back there. Some of you look at it and it says Messiah of Israel on it, blue and white, uh, Israel's colors. That is on Hebrews. You must know Hebrews. Uh, people say, why? Isn't that a Jewish book? Yes, but you must know it. It's, it's telling you who the Messiah is and what he's done for us in a way that no other book in the entire Bible tells you. And uh, you need to get that down. In fact, a Jewish rabbi asked me, uh, do the Christians study Hebrews? I said, well, I hope they do, but it's probably only pastors that go through the books of the Bible. He said, well, in my opinion, and I'm not a believer in Yeshua, that would be essential and I said, thank you very much. Yes, it is. Uh, by the way, I spoke, uh, several of you asked me about my Jewish uh, background and stuff. Uh, I don't try to harp on that. Everybody seems excited. They come up to me and say, are you a completed Jew? And I say to them, are you a completed Gentile? And they say, what's that? Case closed. <laughs> you understand? Uh, watch what you say, okay? Uh, are, are you a Hebrew Christian? Are you, you know, a lot of funny things people say. Uh, you know, I, I'm a person like you. Amen? And I had a Gentile mother, you know. And uh, several of you are bothered that I've never eaten ham and you've offered that. Uh, thank you. I don't want to eat it. I'm not going to eat it. So God bless you. You continue to pervert the ways of the Lord if you want to, but I'm not going to eat it. Okay. By the way, the kosher diet only applies to Jewish people, not to Gentiles. So go out and pork out for lunch. Anyway, now I forgot what I was going to say. Something about Jewish stuff. Yeah, well, anyway. The fact is that uh, we are very, very ignorant in the church about the Jewish roots of the faith. Um. I was listing the wrong statements that have been made here this weekend. It's very interesting. I think I got about 16 now. You know, it's funny how we just kind of go on and we don't think about it and we don't deal with it. But uh, I hope you will find out about Jewish roots of the faith. You might pray for me. I'm trying to put out a major work in the church. The churches are so fouled up and it's going to be a huge volume and uh, I've already done numerous chapters, and uh, they're going to deal with Jewish roots. They're going to deal with a lot of things that you don't ever hear about. 
and uh, what the church should be doing. And we got all this dumb stuff going on in the church. Um, it's just a sad to me. Most of us don't know what the church is. It's kind of a building we go to or a name on the door. I don't care what Methylbacterian thing you are. Find out what the Bible says. Amen? I, I beg your pardon, God's listening and you didn't respond? Find out what the Bible says. Now some of you are still sitting there looking at me like, I'm not saying anything. Well, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Oh, by the way, about being quiet in church, several of you told me that, and I know I'm loud. Okay, I know that. But I believe that is God telling you that he can do exceeding abundantly above all he could ask or think. It was 37 years ago they told me I'd never speak again because of cancer of the throat. Well, they were wrong. So God made me louder than ever. Every year the radio guys are turning me down. They keep saying, man, you're getting loud. I'm not trying. On our day off, my wife won't let me talk because the moment I talk, somebody says, oh, there's David, you know. And uh, so she said, just just let me talk. Okay, all right. Now, where was I? See, I forget all the time. Is that old age? That's Tim LaHaye influencing my life. Oh, what a blessing he's been. Aren't you glad we brought him? Amen. Yeah, he's a jewel. He's going to be with me several other times this year. And several of you have asked about Jacob Prash. And uh, maybe you don't know about Jacob. He's from England. And um, he can pretty well blast just about every false teacher in one message of anybody I've ever seen. Um, and it makes people uncomfortable. But I thank God for him because he's exposing uh, the terrible deceptions that are going on now. And if you haven't heard Jacob, he makes me look like a Sunday school picnic. Uh, he's unbelievable. We should have him sometime. You're, in two years? So you want me to get him? I see. Okay, shouldn't you ask me first to come? <laughs> All right. I'm just trying to clear things up, Pastor. Okay. Enough of that. Take your Bibles and turn to Amos chapter 4. On the subject, are you ready? And of course, that's what we've been talking about all weekend. But Amos 4 has two little verses that are very interesting. Verse 12 and 13. Here's what it says. Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel. Oh, by the way. Somebody asked me, because our new commentary on Hosea, um, do I need to study the Hebrew prophets? Yes, you do. You'd be amazed about how much of it's contemporary to what's going on in America. But I want you to know that all 12 of the minor prophets I've done extensive studies on and tapes, those CDs are on our website and uh, they make great Bible studies. Some of them, like Hosea and Joel and all, they're in uh, DVD format also with PowerPoint and all of that makes a good Bible study. Just reminding you, uh, check out our website, davidhawking.org. Chapter 4, verse 12. The prophet Amos, who was a farmer, by the way. Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, and because I will do this unto thee, here it is. Prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. 
For lo, he that formeth the mountains and createth the wind and uh, declareth, uh, what is his uh, thought that maketh the morning darkness and treadeth upon the high places of the earth? The Lord, the God of hosts, that's the word Sabaoth, armies, is his name. So the very challenge here in Amos to be ready is dealing with the judgment of God. Now, in the book, uh, Whatever Happened to Morality, which we're all sold out of it for the weekend, but you can get it from us. Uh, in that book, I have a chapter on Is It Too Late for America? Um, I personally do not believe it's too late, but I would not be surprised that God continues to bring judgment. I said continue. I believe he is bringing judgment on us now. Because you can prove biblically that one of the ways he does that is economically. God's judgment is falling on America. Boy, did I see that in Israel just a little over a week ago. I was there, you know, getting a Coke and cup of coffee for 5 and $6 now because the dollar is devaluating and the shekel's going up. The UN says Israel's economy is the number one in the world. Canada's second, and now their dollar is equal to us. It's just unbelievable what's happening to us. And our government keeps printing off more money, and of course there's nothing backing it up. So the dollar is getting worthless. One man told me he thought an actual value, he's a financier, it's probably worth about 18 cents now. Now, we, we don't see that because we're all exchanging it with one another, with stores and all and all of that. But when you see it, it's when you go to another country and then you realize what's happening to the U.S. dollar. By the way, Paul McGuire, who had the number one talk show in America for a while, Paul McGuire Show, he's now teaching prophecy in seminary and graduate schools. Paul McGuire has a new book called The Day the Dollar Died. It was written six months ago. It, you'll be shocked reading it. Talk about current. It's unbelievable. Anyway, um, I want to talk to you from the standpoint of are you ready, because we've We've scared you with a bunch of stuff and, and also hopefully encouraged your heart and comforted you about the coming of the Lord. But when I ask, are you ready? It, it's a different question in Amos than maybe uh, we've been asking all weekend. And so um, if this is a blessing, great. You can jot it down. I'm going to give you seven things as to how we can be really ready for what's happening. And there's a lot of strange things happening. Who would have thought Turkey done business with Israel, but apparently from the Bible appears to be against Israel. And what has happened in the last couple of weeks? Turkey has swung over to the Islamic side, is now criticizing Israel and breaking off their uh, agreements with Israel. I think we're in for trouble. Turkey has a huge army. Turkey has forbidden the United States to fly over them that, that's a very, very serious matter that just happened also. There's a lot of strange things going on right now. I put on this morning an article that uh, the newspapers don't have yet. Got it from the Israeli Mossad. Egypt is threatening or warning the Middle East about Iran. It's unbelievable. You have to read the article. It's on our website. 
The fact is, uh, the changes that are occurring are happening so rapidly. Uh, I really wouldn't be surprised if the Lord comes before I finish. I wouldn't at all. I'd like to finish, but I won't be needed in heaven. So um, here we go. This is number one. Put it up there. I just want to tell you all, just to calm us all down, remember who is really in charge. I know this is a shocking, but it's not Obama. Verse 13 said, the Lord, that's a tetragrammaton, you might say Yahweh. By the way, Jehovah comes from the Latin and offends Jews. I wouldn't say it too much. Yahweh, Jews don't even pronounce that name. They call it Hashem, the name. The Lord, the God of armies, is his name. That's the one who's in charge. Uh, Dr. LaHaye was doing a great number on Daniel today in the the image and the interpretation of Daniel. Uh, I thought about chapter 4, if you just want to flip over there. Uh, as he was talking, uh, you talk about remembering who's in charge. Uh, chapter 4 of Daniel, if you have your uh, Bible handy, go to verse 34 and 35. And this is dealing with Nebuchadnezzar apparently repenting. And, uh, you know, he, he was like an animal. Uh, for a while, and now it seems like he's uh, turning to the Lord. Daniel 4.34, At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes unto heaven, and my understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth, including the U.S. House of Representatives, oh, excuse me, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he that doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand. No one can stop him and say unto him, What doest thou? You know, I love to read that. In the Psalms, um, I made the Psalms my devotions for 40 years in the morning. And that's what brought that book called Meditations in the Psalms. There's something for every day of the year, all from the Psalms. And in the Psalms, you learn about the attributes and the abilities of God. And over and over again in the Psalms, it reminds us of who's in charge. And the message to us is, you just trust in the Lord with all your heart and relax. He's in charge. He doesn't need your help. He does whatever he wants to in heaven and on earth. What did Jesus teach his disciples to pray? Thy will be done on earth as there already is in heaven. And by the way, it will be. He will do whatever he wants to do and nobody will stop him. By the way, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, says the Bible, and he can turn it however he wants. Wow. Remember, please, folks, when you leave the conference, remember who is really in charge. Do not panic. Do not get concerned. We're headed into some very serious times soon. I am very concerned, personally, 
about the Copenhagen Conference. 191 nations have been invited. That's the total. Obama is one of the guest speakers. It's climate change. It started with Kyoto, Japan. And one reason that one couldn't do anything is because they realized they need global government in order to continue their plans. On the agenda for December 7th to 18th is to establish a global government and have it begin functioning on January 1st. Hello? Are you understanding me? We are headed, and by the way, our president has already told them that he's willing to give up the sovereignty of the United States to a world government. I think that's dangerous. I think we're headed for what the Bible has predicted, but remember who is in charge. I think our lives are going to be greatly changed here in America. It's already started. The government now owns more than any of us ever dreamed they would be involved in. It's going to get worse. It's going to definitely get worse. My second word of advice to you, I got seven of them. Number two, refuse to be deceived. Uh, we know that our Lord and the disciples and the Hebrew prophets of old warned us that the characteristic before the Messiah returns will be deception, especially among God's people. If I said to you this morning that I believe that over 50% of all Christians who call themselves Christians are not Christians, wouldn't you have a tendency to question me? Like, how do you know that? Well, the reason I know it is because it's in the Bible. Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Jesus said that when he comes, those who call him Lord, who say, we've done many wonderful works in your name, we've cast out demons in your name, we've preached in your name, he's going to say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, I never knew you. How do I know it's 51% or more? Because the Greek grammar says, many will say, the many always means 51% or more. In other words, out of all those who claim to belong to him, we have a majority who are not born again. They only think they're in the end group. That's why I continue to say one of the greatest fishing holes for the gospel happens to be the morning services of churches around the world. We need to be careful about our assumptions well, I've been a church member a long period of time. Well, so what? Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to a garage makes you a mechanic. Might be a good place to fix your car, but please be careful what you're saying. Now, notice that this point says about four things. What are the four major things that people will be deceived about before the Lord comes? And I hope you will see it's kind of a summary of a lot of things I've said. But let's start, number one, with the one about peace in the Middle East. Don't be deceived. Ezekiel chapter 13 warns us that the leaders in Israel are going to be manipulated by world leaders to believe that peace is possible with their hostile enemies. They're going to say, peace, peace, but God said there is no peace. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5, 
For you, know, you yourselves know perfectly well that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And it does say in that verse, when they say peace and homeland security, uh, excuse me, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not children of the darkness, but children of the light. Praise God. But you understand, God warned us that the characteristic of the end time will be the cry and demand for peace in the Middle East, that Israel make peace with its hostile enemies. Now, years ago, many years ago, Nehemiah was faced with that, the cupbearer of the king of Iran or Persia. He comes back to the land, and uh, there's some guys causing the Jews trouble. And they said, will you come out to the valley of Ono and uh, discuss with us and negotiate with us? Now, that's what we're doing today. But Nehemiah answered correctly and said, oh, no. He didn't go. You know, Israel's got to stop this. They've got nothing from it. Ten times they give up land. The enemy gives nothing but more attacks. By the way, there were more attacks this morning. I don't think we Americans understand. I believe that some of the folks living down by the Mexican border understand. Dear Christian man, I was preaching in a congregation just about this size down in Chula Vista. He came up to me, tears flowing out his face after he heard what I was saying. And he said, we got the same problem here. I said, what are you talking about? He said, my two daughters, 25 and 27 years old, crossed the border to go down to a concert in Tijuana. I haven't seen them for 13 weeks now. I've been down there 12 different times. We finally found their car stripped, and the police have informed me that they're probably either in white slavery or they've been killed. Do you know how many people have been killed since January 1st at the Mexican border? 1,672. That's not counting the people who were wounded. We got a little war going on at the Mexican border. The Mexican Mafia are deeply involved. They just found yesterday, by the way, a cache of cocaine that was one of the biggest ever discovered in the history of drug uh, dealings. The fact is, we got a war on our southern border. But what if they were shooting rockets at us every day? What if we didn't know whether our children would ever come home from school? You see, Israel faces that every day. And the world doesn't care. Refuse to be deceived about peace in the Middle East. Number two, boy, have we got a problem in America. Refuse to be deceived about the performance of miracles. I knew we had a problem back in 1985 when the revival hit Argentina. I was asked to go down there and help teach. Uh, there was an attorney, Carlos Anacondia. Uh, he, he was an interesting guy. He got saved, and he was preaching up a storm. I was asked to go out and train the counselors. There were 87,000 people standing in a field for six hours. The revival was really going on in Argentina. But they were claiming that miracles were happening, and the press was out there not to hear the message. They were out there to see the miracles. 
So they brought me into it to look at the miracles. And uh, one of the things that was happening was people's teeth were being filled. And uh, on the fillings, there was a cross that glowed. And uh, they made the mistake, the journalist from Buenos Aires, of asking me what I thought. If they hadn't asked me, we wouldn't have had a serious situation that developed. <laughs> they said, isn't that an amazing miracle? And I said, no. No, it's not. They said, well, you can obviously see. I said, well, Satan does a lot of counterfeit miracles. And by the way, my God doesn't fill teeth. He would give a brand new tooth. What are you talking about? <laughs> and to use that crummy mercury, I mean, where's the gold? And a cross on it? What is he, non-Jewish? I mean, come on. By the way, in the headlines of the Buenos Aires newspaper the next day, it said, Hawking says God does bad dentistry. I did, I did not say that. I have a journalist that I've been witnessing to for some time. She was assigned to Benny Hinn Crusades. Now, every time I mention this, people get all upset. I don't care whether you get upset or not. I'm interested in truth. I don't know about you. And this lady wants nothing to do with Christianity because of Benny Hinn. She's been to two years of crusades, and the same people are getting healed at each one. She's been in the back room and watched them. Pulling checks out of envelopes with prayer requests in them dumping all the prayer requests on a table, putting their hands on it and praying for them so they could tell on the TV they prayed for your prayer request. You know what? I'm sorry, I'm not into that charlatan stuff. We got another guy named Reinhold Bonnke who's doing that in Africa. Now they finally investigated him, praise God. The fact is, watch out for miracles. Why? Our Lord said so. How are they going to deceive what looks like the very elect, true believers? They will deceive them with signs, wonders, and miracles. What will the Antichrist do? Signs, wonders, and miracles. What will a false prophet do? Signs, wonders, and miracles. The devil will produce the counterfeits. And we will have to be very careful about not being deceived. Now, do I believe in healing? Yes, I certainly do. I'm the recipient of it. Well, would you go to a healing meeting? No. No, I don't believe in divine healers. I believe in the divine healer, who is God. And by the way, I don't believe he needs your prayer. I've been healed without praying. People say, well, how'd that happen? Because God is who he is. He did it so I would yell at you. I had a 96-year-old lady come down the aisle want, to get, want me to pray for her healing. She was in a walker. And she said, I want you to pray that I be healed. I said, what's wrong with you? She said, everything. Everything's wrong with me. I said, so you want a complete job? She said, I want to be healed of everything. And the next thing that came out of my mouth, I'm sorry, I'm not you know, trained well. I said, well, then drop dead. She looked at me and says, is there anyone else I can talk to? <laughs> you know, she's still alive and laughs with me now about it. It's true, is it not? If you drop dead, 
Hey, you're going to get a brand new body. That's a complete job. The rest of it is all temporary. Amen? Don't pray for healing so much because there's 15 good things that happen when you suffer physically. Oh, I forgot. We don't teach that way, do we, in America? They sure do in third world countries where they have to face it all the time. Something's really wrong. Oh, and don't be deceived about the promises of God. And there are two primary issues here. What are they? Number one, the teaching of the resurrection and the reunion of believers who have died. What we call a rapture. I have people, it's so funny. I'm getting to where I, I, I need to stop laughing, but it makes me laugh. People call us on the phone at our office and said, I don't believe in the rapture. Yes, I'm born again. Yes, I'm a member of Methyl Bacterian Church. And, but you don't believe in a rapture. No, I don't. Well, it's in the Bible. Well, I don't care if it is. You don't care if it is. I said, God says that you're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Well, I don't believe that. You know, I, I usually start laughing. I don't want to, and then they get mad. Why are you laughing? I'm just thinking how dumb you are. It's in the Bible. What are you talking about? If you're a true believer, you're going to go anyway. I just don't get it. I don't know. I think I was in a previous generation. I don't know. I'm having a hard thing with the, the in-group of today. <laughs> People ask me all the time about the strangest things that I believe. What do you think about contemplative prayer? Contemplative prayer. Hmm. Well, what do you do? Well, we sit around and contemplate. Um, you know, when God taught us to prayer, it, it was really simple stuff. And you know, when Peter was drowning on the after walking on the water, I, I wouldn't say contemplative prayer would be the answer there. <laughs> he just said, Lord, save me! And there came the hand of the Lord. That was not a time for contemplate, oh, great divine architect of the universe, thou, you're going to drown, Peter, if you pray like that. I don't get it. People told me about the stations of the cross they're putting around the auditorium. You can go and you sit. You know, they're sitting by folding their legs Buddha style. I mean, it should be obvious to you. You're looking at me. Do you think I can do that? If, <laughs> if I could do that, I wouldn't be able to get up. What are you talking about? You know, to me, even when they ask us to stand when we sing, I wait for the sweetest words in worship to come out of the guy's mouth. Please be seated. You get a certain age, it's you, you just want to sit down. I got to stand up here and preach to you. Look, I read the Bible. Those guys, including Jesus, sat down while the audience is standing. Maybe we should shift this around and see how you like it. <laughs> and you know what else? The timing of the second coming. We have lost our biblical minds today. It's like people send me all these paper. I have a file. It's stacked really high now of arguments about when Jesus is coming. It's unbelievable. By the way, there's quite a number of them. 
that are warning us about January 1st, 2010. That's not too far away. But most of them right now are 2012. They're Mayan people. They saw the movie this weekend. <laughs> Probably. You know what? He said you don't know the day nor the hour, which is a Jewish idiom for you don't know anything, so why don't you stop guessing? How many of you believe he could come right now? Look at you. But I bet you weren't thinking that five minutes ago. In an hour that you think not, the Son of Man cometh. That could be any day of the year except Rosh Hashanah. That's when everybody thinks he's coming. If I were him, I'd come the day before. You know what? Stop this. But I'll tell you where the big deception lies about the plan of God for Israel. I don't know where to start on this. Um, I'm causing trouble. I know that. I'm not trying to. I'm trying to preach the truth about Israel and what God says. But you know there's anger out there about it. People tried to boycott meetings that I've been at. I didn't notice that here. But I've had some churches not too far from here where they try to stop people from coming to hear me. There are religious groups that have actually had meetings about me. What to do to stop this guy? Is he stupid about Israel? We all know that God's done with Israel. No, he's not. God has never forsaken his people. But you see, there's a lot of pastors that haven't got the intestinal fortitude or the courage. If I was telling you what I've always said, it would be guts. But that my wife says, clean it up, David. Okay, intestinal fortitude. Anyway, the point is, a lot of guys won't stand up. Why? Because they know what happens to those who do. I know of pastors who've been paid off to not teach about Israel, and including the writing of books. Look, people, our best guesstimates on the basis of denominational belief is that 90% of all Christians in America attend churches that believe God's finished with Israel and the church has replaced Israel. There have been denominational meetings all summer long to show their opposition to Israel and to divest any investment in anything that's Israeli. I don't know where you are. I really don't. You're probably still eating Oscar Myers. You say, what's that got to do with it? Well, if you listen to a higher authority, you'd buy Hebrew National. <laughs> Costs more, but it's better for you. I saw one lady who was here who had a jacket, said Columbia on it. Her son-in-law was actually one of the owners, and they sold out, and guess who bought it? Israel did. So now I'm looking in the Columbia catalog, stuff I can buy. Not too much in the category that I'm in, because real men, as far as I'm concerned, start at 4X and go up, <laughs> you know. But anyway... Um, The Bible says that it's a mystery to a lot of people. That blindness in part 
has happened in Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And then the Deliverer will come out of Zion and God will redeem his people and forgive them of all their iniquities. God's not done with Israel. The Apostle Paul says, how can that be? I'm, I'm of the children of Benjamin, Benjamin, and I'm still here. There's always been a remnant of Jews according to God's grace. What is wrong with this? I wouldn't be here were it not for God's love for Jewish people. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Messiah. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and then to the Gentile. You understand, we have lost our understanding that the church was not Gentile. It was Jewish. It's a miracle that Gentiles ever got in. They had a church council to decide it. And they saw the Hebrew prophets predicted it. And that's why they let him come in. They gave them just simple instruction that we have already forsaken and don't pay attention to. You can read about it in Acts 15. And some of you are saying, I wonder what that is. Well, read your Bible. You will find out. Are people deceived about God's plan for Israel? One man just told me last week on the radio, he's a fine Bible teacher, but he's upset at me for my emphasis on Israel. He says, why are you always harping on Israel? Because it's the biggest subject next to the Lord God himself. It's mentioned 2,576 times. And by the way, I'd like to go over each one with you. He hung up on me. I know I'm radical, but I'm also biblical. I know what God said, and I'm going to stand for it, no matter what. How about you? Be very careful. The pressure is getting stronger every day. One man, <laughs> he wrote a big letter. If I told you who he is, which I'm not going to because I don't want to bash him. He's a wonderful Bible teacher. But he called me the most dangerous man in America because my um, opinions about Israel. And I wrote him back a letter and I said, I want to thank you for your criticism because every time you criticize me, the sales of our products go up. People want to find out. I wonder why he's against him. You know? Number three, realize that we're facing spiritual warfare. I don't want to insult your intelligence. You know that, don't you? The fiery darts of the enemy are coming at a rapid pace now and great volume. Then what are we to do? Remembers who's in charge, refuse to be deceived, and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against all the wiles of the devil, the methods of the devil. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and take the shield of faith, by which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and the helmet of salvation, and pray for us, that we may speak boldly as we ought to speak. Wow. Number four, my warning to you, resist the temptations of a secular lifestyle. Every single night in television, we are seeing, we are being bombarded with sexual innuendos, if not Pornography itself, as was once known as softcore. We are being 
torn down on a regular basis. It's unbelievable. And you know you get used to that. Like the frog sitting in water and they turn up the heat. He dies because he didn't have the brains to get out when the water was getting hot. My friends, please understand. There is no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. 1 Corinthians 10.13 Be very careful. We are being bombarded. We're being told by our government that we should no longer pay attention to biblical values. Oh, I just said that so nicely. If you want to read the websites, it's not so nice. The enemy to our government's program on morality is stated to be Bible-believing Christians. Be careful, people. I'm warning you in the name of the Lord. Be careful. It's easy to compromise on this, to go along with it. And I'm thankful that 31 states didn't go along with same-sex marriage. The only way they got it through was through the courts. Because when they gave it to the people, the people knew that's this is not right. How in the world would they ever have any children? Number five, my advice to you, rest in the Lord's control and care of the believer. You know, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm, I'm studying prophecy. I was doing Matthew 24 and 25, a series. And I noticed right away in chapter 24, verse 6, Jesus said, see that you be not troubled. Then I kept reading. I, I noticed how often he said that. John recorded some of the last words of Jesus to the disciples before he went to the cross. He said several times, let not your heart be troubled. I decided to dig into it a little bit more. The Greek word merizo means to divide, and it comes to mean to be distracted, a very common Greek word used today. The point of our Lord is don't be distracted off of who God is and his control of everything by worrying about what's happening in your life. That's going to stir you up and get you away from resting in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and do good, and so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way unto the Lord and trust also in him and he will bring it to pass. And then rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. I love to put my head on my pillow at night and thank the Lord for another good day and fall asleep. Actually, I'm tired right now. That very word caused me to want to go to sleep. <laughs> anyway, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said, the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our trials will do it so you will be able to comfort others who are in any trouble by the same comfort that you have received. You say, well, I'm going through very hard physical trials. Great. Paul was too. He prayed to God earnestly. Take it away from me. God wouldn't do it. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. 
Paul answered, Most gladly, therefore, will I rejoice in my infirmities that the power of Messiah may rest upon me. Sometimes my wife, after hearing me, she says, How did you do it? Because she knows I'm in constant pain. I can't help it. I have osteoarthritis from the bottom of my neck clear down through my pelvic area and legs. That's why I keep moving. That's why I want to sit down during worship. I've been in pain the whole time I've been talking to you. But you know what? He said, I'll rejoice in my infirmities that the power of the Messiah may rest upon me. That's why I often jokingly say to people, you get a certain age, nothing works, and if it does, it hurts. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I have to tell you a funny thing that happened this weekend. <laughs> I've looked all over the audience. She's not here, but the lady was here this weekend. She came up to me, and she said, when you get my age, Sonny, you will know about what real pain is. I said, how old are you? She told me. I said, I'm four years older than you are. <laughs> Some people say, why don't you act your age? I stopped doing that a long time ago. <laughs> I've watched people acting their age. I don't want to even be around them. They're grumpy and kids don't have fun. When my kids come over to grandkids, we have pillow fights on our bed. We have so much fun that I tell them, now, you can't do this at your home. Your dad's a real mean-spirited person. You can mess those kids up and send them home. What a beautiful thing that is. I see a lot of you know what I'm talking about. Okay, quickly. Rely. Oh, rely upon the Word of God. If we haven't got that across to you, may you go out of here with joy in your heart. Rely on the Word of God. I love this book. You know, when I wake up early in the morning, which I do, I can't wait to get in and study God's Word. I love this book. This book is so great. People are asking me, have you read so-and-so's book? No, I haven't. But I do have the original document. Oh, you do? Where did you get it? Oh, there are plenty of them. They sell them in a the Christian bookstore. Lots of them. Do you know the Bible? The Bible, the whole Bible, nothing but the Bible. I'm finding out more things in this book. It's unbelievable. I just can't wait. But I got to talk to you right now. But I can't wait to study more. I got projects, plans in my mind, things I want to get done. Amen? Rely upon the Word of God. The Word of God is our strength. The Word of God is a refreshment to our soul. You want to know what the Word of God can do? I, I was going to say memorize, but I don't want to put that guilt trip on you. Read over and over again. There's a better one. Psalm 119. 176 verses divided into 22 sections after the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And read that chapter because it tells you what the Word of God can do in your heart. Wow. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word will quicken me in my affliction. And on and on it goes. It doesn't stop. What a wonderful psalm. 
rely upon the Word of God. In 2 Timothy 3, Paul's last letter, he said, perilous times will come. We talked about that this weekend. But do you remember how the chapter concludes? Remember that you've known the Holy Scriptures from when you were a baby in the womb. For all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for reproof and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped unto every good work. Rely upon the Word of God. And my final word to you, number seven. Repent. If you've never heard anybody describe to you the importance of repentance, please get my tapes. I have a lot on it. Because there are preachers telling you you don't have to repent anymore. A very strong Bible teacher on the radio. Um, I love him. I thank God for his ministry. He called me on the phone told me, David, you got to stop this emphasis on repentance. I said, why? He said, it's an Old Testament concept. It just doesn't deal with the church. <clears throat> well, in other words, you are uh, familiar with the fact that the prophets in the Old Testament did tell us to repent. Oh, yeah, turn into the Lord, turn away. Yeah, all of that. But it's different now in the church. I said, really? All we have to do is believe. You're developing a work system and you're getting away from God's grace. Really? Well, I got my New Testament open. Do you have yours open? Because I can't see on the phone. Yeah, I got my Bible here. Well, let's just start right at the beginning of the Gospels. Oh, hey, here's John the Baptist. Uh, he said, repent. You know what he said? He's the last of the Old Testament prophets. Has nothing to do with it. Oh, okay. Oh, hey, this is something. John is in prison, and then Jesus takes up his ministry. Oh, he said, repent. Jesus did. Wow. First thing. He began to preach and say, repent. He said, well, that was before the cross. Oh, okay. Well, here's after the resurrection. Luke 24, he said to his disciples, Repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You know what He said? That was before Pentecost. Oh, really? Oh, before Pentecost? Okay. Let me just check that out on you. You know, the Bible tells us to check everything. And Acts 2, here's Peter on the day of Pentecost. Peter said unto them, Repent! By the way, I was saying it at that volume on the phone. <laughs> he said, well, that was just the day it started. Oh, okay. Hey, they went on several weeks, and here's chapter 3, verse 19, another crowd. Repent! That's what he says. He said, well, that's not the epistles of Paul. <laughs> really? I said, well, why don't we skip all this, because I'm getting tired of talking to you. And let's just go to Jesus' last words in Revelation 2 and 3. The seven churches, what did he say? Repent! I said, you know, I have one word for you, sir. 
He said, what's that? Repent! And I hung up. That was a few months ago. I haven't heard from him since. Look, the devil would have us forget that the first word of the gospel is repent. Repent and believe the gospel. You see, one reason why we have so many people, remember I started with this, who think they are Christians is because they've never repented of their sinful lifestyles and ways. You say, what do you mean? You don't just add Jesus to an already bad lifestyle and hopefully it'll be okay now. Uh-uh. No, you repent of your sin. You know, I, I'm old enough I can still remember, especially down south, they used to have a bench across here and they called it a mourner's bench. When people made decisions, they came forward to repent of their sin. Somehow we threw that out the window. And what we've got are a lot of people who have never turned to the Lord. How do I know? Because he says over and over again, you must turn from your sin first. You turn to God from idols, from immorality, from the junk that is in your life, and turn to the only one who can save you from sin, death, and hell. You know, folks, let's stop messing around. We're living in a very dangerous time. A lot of the preaching doesn't deal with people's sin. I wrote in a big article, and a couple pastor friends of mine got all upset, but I wrote that the theology of today in our churches is toleration. Tolerate anything and everything. Don't speak against anything. Uh, people call you mean-spirited and angry and all of that. You know what? We are compromising at a rate that is really hard for me because I remember what a lot of these guys were like years ago. Something is different now. I have men who I thought were true and loyal to the Word of God who are off doing stupid things now, all in the name of toleration. I had a, <laughs> I'll end with this. A Jewish man was always troubling me because he watched TBN, Trinity Broadcast Network, heard all the stuff they give. Anyway, he said, you are too strong. He couldn't think of another word. How can one be too strong? But anyway, he said, you're too strong. And I said, well, the thing I want you to do is to repent and believe the gospel of the Messiah. Well, I'm ready to do that. I said, great, that's wonderful. I said, do you believe that Jesus is God Almighty in, in human flesh? You know what he said to me? Hell no. I said, I beg your pardon? Well, I'm not going that far. See, that's your problem, David. You think you have to do that. I said, well, yeah, that's what the Bible teaches. You mean you have to believe Jesus is God? Listen, if he's not God, that he can't save you in the 21st century. What are you talking about? Well, he was a good man. He never sinned. I said, a good man who never sinned could only substitute his life for one other person. That's it. 
How can he substitute for our lives in the 21st century if he's not God? The Bible says God was in Messiah, reconciling the world unto himself. 2 Corinthians 5.19 The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. What Word? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. In 1 John 5, it says of Jesus Christ, This is the true God. <laughs> oh... Last week, a man came up to me after I finished the series in Illinois, and he said, uh, you know, I think you might want to get to the tape and edit it a little bit. I said, what happened? He said, well, I don't know if you said or not, but <laughs> you implied that Jesus was God. I implied it? <laughs> I thought I stated it pretty straightforwardly. You understand? The name of the game is toleration today. Just let people do what they want to do. And be thankful to even show up to listen to you yell at them for an hour. Excuse me, I don't know what you're doing here. I hope we're not playing church. Or make you feel good before you go to lunch. I wish I wouldn't have said that because I'm already hungry. <laughs> but you know what? Be not deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Will you join me please in prayer? Thank you for your patience. Father, we want to thank you and praise you for your wonderful word and the privilege of having this conference here. Thank you for this church and its pastor and staff and elders who are committed to your word Thank you for all these folks who've come out who have expressed support and encouragement. And Lord, I know that uh, it's not easy in this confused religious world of ours. Everybody trying to tell us what to do and what is right. And, but what's important is what you say in the Bible. And I pray, Lord, that if those in our meeting right now who are not sure of their relationship to you or have been confused who didn't know what God told us really to do. I pray, God, that you would help them right now to cry out to you, to call on the name of the Lord, to repent of sin. Thank you that when Jesus died, it wasn't just a good example or to show us love, which it certainly did. But he died, you said, for our sins. And I thank you, Lord, that death couldn't hold him. He arose from the dead, thus guaranteeing because he lives, we will live forever. Because we've made a simple declaration and confession with our mouth that he is Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for the promise that he gave us. I will come again. Thank you, Lord. Help us to make the commitment of all commitment in our hearts to settle our relationship with you before it is too late. In the blessed name of our Lord Yeshua, we pray. Amen.